really like, that I really like. Tonight, we do have some NBA action. Uh, we're going to talk a little college football. Last night, PJ and myself, we spent about 20 minutes talking about Utah football as they make the transition to the Big 12. Cam Rising comes back. They're 66-1 to to win the national championship. We have the expanded playoff. Uh, I think I talked you into that one, didn't I, Peach, last night? I think I think at least for a hedging opportunity, you're buying into the Utes a little bit as they uh, go over to the Big 12, right? Horvath, I'm all in on the fighting Andrew Bogats, the, fight the fighting Kyle Kuzma's. Um, what Keith else Van Horn. Fight Keith Van Horn's, the fighting DeLon Wrights. I'm all in. You sold me. You talked me into Utah, and then I also talked myself into some Kansas State as well. I think this year in college football, if you're looking at the futures, now there are a couple teams that interest me, right? Like we were talking about Tennessee last night. Could be some other teams in that like 50 to 1 kind of range. But I think you got to attack the Big 12 because the college football playoff, the teams that win their conferences get that auto bid into the playoff. I think that creates so much value, and it's not yet been – kind of baked into the market yet because it's the first year of it and that puts some real value on on your Utah Utes 66 to 1 Kansas State who we were talking about with uh dark, dark horse Heisman Trophy Avery Johnson not the basketball player or coach but the football player I uh I I'm in Horvat I like your Utes I just want to know what are we going to refer to them as throughout the year what are they the fighting you like the Keith Van Horns I think I like the fighting Andrew Bogut's personally all right, can we go with this might be before your time a little bit too much. And and if you haven't seen this movie, Peach, I know I've given you have you watched the program yet, damn it? I have. I have, I have. Great okay, movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. You you did watch the program. Okay. It's hard to keep up. You have to watch, if you haven't seen this movie, we're gonna call them the fighting Pesci's. The Joe Pesci's. Have you seen my cousin Vinny? I have seen my cousin Vinny. Yes. All right. Marissa Tomei. Yeah. Great movie. The two youths. All right, yes. so we're gonna we're gonna call them the Fighting Pesci's all year, or the Fighting Risings, hopefully. Because I think if we're buying into Utah, I think we have to buy into Cam Rising a little bit too. I think we have to buy into that he's gonna play all twelve games regular yep. season. He's gonna be fully healthy. And oh, that's Luke. I see Luke in the chat. And Luke, you have a microphone tonight. And tonight, tonight is a freestyle Friday. That's what I used to call this when I used to do local radio back in the Iowa days, and then a little Milwaukee days. If anybody wants to jump in, since we don't actually have phone lines, you just jump in. We got Dylan. He's running the video. We got Peach, obviously, co-hosting the show. Trista and Nick, they will be back next week. I'll be gone next week. I'm going to catch a Chicago Bulls game. I'm going to wear a bag over my head, and I'm going to have a sign that says, next season, trade for D-Rose. Let's have the retirement tour because uh, my team's garbage, Peach. Luke puts in the chat, though, I've been telling him to watch the program for six months, and he always forgets. Imagine forgetting to watch one of the greatest movies of all time. I don't like sports movies. I mean, there's there's some sports movies that I like, but the program is excellent, man. It really is. Anyway, um, dude, yeah, I'm really excited for college football season. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We got John Clay coming on, so we're going to talk about your favorite spot. I feel like, is this your favorite spot, like college hoops, all season long? You've been talking about Kentucky for like the last four days, man, and you're fading yeah. your own team. That's when I know I that you really like this spot. Are you all in on the fighting Calipari's tomorrow? I'm all in to the point where I'm like deciding how much more money I want to deposit in my account. Here's my thinking, yeah. right? The game is a pick 'em. 
So I'm afraid that I don't want to drop too much on Kentucky because what happens if they get down 10 to two to start the game, which absolutely could happen. And then I get like plus money on, do you ever do that where you love a game? That's a pick them, but you don't want to drop too much on the initial line because there's always that opportunity to maybe buy back in again and you get a great plus number opportunity. And I feel like I kind of want to do that. Like, I'm I'm gonna throw a good amount down on Kentucky on a pick 'em because I do think they're gonna win. But if Bama starts the game out hot, which they certainly could, Horvat, I think I want to save a little ammo so that I can double down with that plus money and just I mean, whew. Cause I, I think they're gonna win tomorrow. To answer your question, it is one of my favorite spots of the year. Like I it, love Kentucky in this spot. Yeah. Absolutely. Is it just me or has PJ, I feel like for the past six months that I've been working for him, he's always down on his favorite teams. I feel like every Sunday when we were in the book for Inside the Betting Lines, he was always down on the Ravens. He's probably the only guy I know that was down on the Ravens. Well, now you know why, Luke, because my team ran the ball six times in the biggest game of the year. Yeah, still disgusted about it. No, See, no. Because this is the problem, Horvat. As soon as I got excited, Luke's exactly right. I was down on my team the entire year because as soon as I buy in, as soon as I get excited, they let me down. And that's why I can't get excited. But this Bama well, team, they don't play any defense. Like, there's no reason for me to get excited. Their offense is the best in the country. They're awesome to watch. They score 100 points a game but they don't have size and they can't play defense. So like, they're not going to do anything in the tournament. The Ravens, I knew how good they were. They have one of the best quarterbacks in football. They were the one seed. I was just, I was waiting for the heartbreak. And you know what? We got to the chiefs game and I'm like, no, nah, this is the Ravens year. Like they're going to do it. They just have the look of a team that wins the super bowl. And then Mahomes comes in and they don't run the ball. And now I'll never buy in again. The only team I get excited about is the Orioles because they have been so bad for my entire life. And they're constantly underdogs, right? Like they play in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Like when is every right. anybody ever going to give them respect? So I'm always in on them. I will always be bashful about them. Every other team, though, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, that's how I am with the Chicago Cubs. It, it, it's easier to have – that's a good point, though, too, because if you have higher expectations, like with the Ravens, every season, even if Lamar's injured, they're going to win double-digit games, at least nine games. They're going to get into the playoffs because they're – I mean, it's a very well-ran organization. Ryan, we root for you the same you're have, team. I mean, I'm a Packer you experience, fan. So right, no matter what, you experience man, what I experience oh, yeah. every year. Every year. I you know, know your team's going to be good. You but, know they're going to make the playoffs. And yeah. it's you just you wait for the heartbreak in the postseason every year. That's what it is. But, but then people would get mad at me because I wouldn't carry water for the team, and I'd be like, "Nope, something's going to go wrong." Because exactly, that's that's how it goes, and that's why I was laughing before the show off the air because Dylan, who's a Patriots fan, he's like, you know, talking about the draft, like, "Oh, you know, blah blah blah." My biggest worry, and I know they're going to screw it up, and I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't get to yeah. complain." You got to wait. Like, I was a Bulls. I, like, dude, people tell me that I can't complain about the Chicago Bulls because, like, because of the 90s. You know how long ago that was, Peach? And then I had my hopes, like, this high. If you're watching on Twitch, if you're watching on YouTube, you know what I'm talking about. This high, if you're just listening, uh, you probably don't know how high I'm, I'm pointing. But Derrick Rose, man, was the youngest MVP. I love Joakim Noah, which is funny because I hated him in college. 
I didn't love, obviously, like spending money on Carlos Boozer. I'll never forget. I was in college, that free agency period. There's never, I still, I don't think there's ever been like a free agency period like that in, in NBA history. It was Bosch, you know, Wade, LeBron, everybody was up, you know, and they obviously all go to Miami. But I thought that the Bulls had a realistic shot at LeBron. And I'll never forget for like four months, I was working at this bar called The Forum at Western Illinois. And I even created a drink. They were called The Bombs. And I made them like Bulls colors and everything, Paige. You know, La Bombs. And I had everybody in on it. And then I'll never forget, like, the Bulls had their pitch. The Bulls had their pitch for LeBron, and they gave him, like, a pair of Jordans. And they were like, could you fill these shoes? And he was like, yeah, you know, get out of my face. So just like when Carmelo Anthony, you know, went to the yeah, United Center, and Derrick Rose was like, excited. I'm not going to recruit. But anyway, that's what I'm saying, man, is like. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. The year. Fan. You had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for over a decade. We don't want to hear your nonsense. Anyway, go on, Peach. I'm sorry. Horvat, the year that the Cubs won the World Series, did you ever oh. allow yourself to get excited? Like, did you know no. in the NLC, you never got excited, right? Even when they were up 3-1 in that series against Cleveland, you never got excited. That's what I'm saying. You never got excited until the very end. When Green Bay won the Super Bowl with Rodgers, did you ever get excited at any point? Like, when they knocked off the That Eagles? year I did because they were playing with house money. Like, they had That's no fair. business actually, to be honest, being in the playoffs. And with the Cubs... Like, I never allowed myself because, like, the playoff matchups, the postseason matchups were all terrible. It was San Francisco. They were down 3-1 to the Dodgers. That was – I'm not going to lie, man. I hate to say this. I don't even know that that team had any business winning the World Series. Like, let's Probably be honest. Didn't. That's the beauty of baseball, though. The and, I, and you know what's didn't... funny, though? Peach, about baseball, and this is the only thing I'm going to say really quick about the O's this year. You always think – I'll never forget – Watching, you know, like Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, you know, guys that we can't say their name, Addison Russell. I was a, I was an Addison Russell fan. I didn't know, obviously, what was going on off the field. And I was like, here's your starting shortstop. You have Javi Baez. Like, who's going to play second? That team was stacked. And then they all literally, like, regressed. Everybody on that team was looking for one pitch, two pitches. But also, like, God, I would kill for Kyle Schwarber still and Anthony Rizzo. I, I hate the Cubs, but also love them so much. Is, is that how you – but I don't know. I, I feel like you guys are in a good position. And what I love is everybody from, like, Rob Brown, who I respect and love, but everybody that's been on the show loves the Yanks again this year. God, I can't wait to watch them fail. Oh, I can't What do you love about shot. that pitching rotation? I think Corbin Burns is going to have a monster year. I think you bet him to win the Cy Young or to lead the league in strikeouts right now if you think he's going to get the innings. Ryan, if Felix Bautista, the Orioles closer, wasn't out for the year, I would be all the way in. All the way in. See, the thing was, the Orioles were so great last year. They won so many games by three or fewer runs, and so much of it was because of Felix. And now without him, you got Kimbrell as your closer. It makes me a little nervous. Obviously, the Bradish injury, but... Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. I mean, our lineup is going to just, I mean, it's going to rake, especially with Jackson Holiday coming up. Like, think about this. Adley Rutschman's a generational player. The guy changed the Orioles overnight. Gunnar Henderson is better than he is, and Jackson Holiday is probably going to be better than both of them. So they're in a good spot. 
They gotta just they gotta spend. That's the only thing. And now they're gonna get new ownership, which is awesome. They can spend some money though. They're uh they're gonna be a problem. So I'm excited, man. That's why I'll always be excited about the Orioles because they always have an underdog mentality. Like the Yankees will always be the team. The Red Sox will always be the team. Nobody looks the other way when it comes to the O's. And that's the way I like it. And it's just, yeah. it's awesome. So I'm uh, uh, I'm excited for the season. We've talked about this a bunch. There's nothing worse than having a bad baseball team. Like of all my teams, that I can't have be bad, it's my baseball team because it gets you through the summer. Like it gives you something to watch every day when they're good. And it's just it's wonderful. Any plays for you tonight in college hoops? It's pretty much like Ivy League night. And then we also I we're gonna talk. We got a lot for tomorrow. I love the slate tomorrow. NBA, I'm gonna do one thing. All right, so really quick, let's just let's do the injury report. Donovan Mitchell is out for the Cavs. Peach, Philly stays home. It's the second night of a back to back for both teams. I'm going to do it one more time. I only got one tonight. Uh, give me the Sixers. I'll take the Sixers to cover. Anything for you? I'll pull up that current number, by the way. I like Chet Holmgren double-double against the Wizards. Our boy Jokic cashed that with ease last night. Tonight, Chet is plus 165 to get a double-double. He recorded one last night against the Clippers. We just keep taking the big man against the Wizards. I also like the Bucks. I told you I wouldn't bet aside the rest of the year in the NBA after the Clippers and yeah. the Nets last night. How do we not bet the Bucks tonight? Three and seven with Doc Rivers coming out of the All-Star break. Everybody's talking about you're falling apart. You go on the road. You play the number one team in the Western Conference. You're four and a half point dogs tonight. Is Gian- Giannis and Dame are playing, correct? Do we? Know- I know the game right, doesn't so start y- until 10. So for whatever reason, uh, Giannis was pretty much questionable. He is going to play. Yeah, uh, Chris Middleton's out tonight, which was expected. And then Pat Connaughton's a game-time decision, which doesn't really move the needle. Clark's out for the Timberwolves. So Minnesota fully healthy. They are at home. Crowder, uh, Jay Crowder starts in place of Chris Middleton. Yeah, I'm going to roll. You know what? Let's do it. I'll go Bucks too. I completely agree. I think the Bucks are going to have a monster second half. And the I fact agree. that everybody's writing off Milwaukee with two closers, uh, closers in English, like Dame and Giannis, I think I might play some Bucks futures, man. I mean, I already have some Boston, of course, because, you know, that's how I have to roll every single season right now. But I uh, I might have to play some Milwaukee. I realistically, like, I like Cleveland. I don't think they have any shot. The Knicks are a fun story, but when we get to playoff time, like, who do you trust? Damian Lillard and Giannis or Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle? Everyone and likes the Knicks. OG Ananobi. And, you know, Dante even get, yeah, I'll take the two, two guys that are on like the top 50 players of all time. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to John Clay. We got to talk some Kentucky hoop. Pidge, we might even have to talk some Kentucky football. Who knows? You know, it's weird. Bet MGM tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. BetMGM Tonight, continues. Ryan Horvath, P.J. Glasser, with you here Friday, February 23rd, last night of the work week. We'll be back with you on Monday. Well, actually, P.J. will be back on his show. Nick and Trista will be back. I'll be on vacation. But uh, excited for this college basketball slate tomorrow. We're going to get more into that. P.J., 
one of his favorite spots of the year, the Kentucky Wildcats, going against his squad tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit more about that right now with John Clay, sports columnist, Lexington Herald leader. You can follow him on Twitter, John Clay, IV, uh, or X, I guess, as we call it now, Peach. I keep making that mistake. John, how are you doing on this Friday? Thanks so much for giving us some time, man. How you been? Uh, I'm doing great, guys. Doing great. So, John, let's actually start with uh, what you saw, disappointing loss for Kentucky. You know, I, I really like this Kentucky squad offensively. Uh, number one three-point shooting team in the entire nation. They could score the basketball. At times, it looks like they could defend. And, you know, at times, it looks like, I don't know, if it's a lack of effort or, you know, maybe scheme. I don't know what's going on. But uh, what did you see in the last game, you know, that uh, concerns you the most? And, you know, maybe uh, any other takeaways? Maybe if you saw something that maybe makes you feel good coming into tomorrow or going into tomorrow, I should say. Well, yeah, I mean, as you as you mentioned, I mean, they've been a really good offensive team all year. They've been ranked, uh, you know, in the top ten in Ken Palm for offensive efficiency pretty much all year. They're at one. They're like either the third or fourth highest scoring team in the country. Where they were until the last two or three games. Uh, defense has been the problem, which is unusual for John Calipari teams. Uh, his best teams are always good on defense. This year, that hasn't been the case. They thought they had turned it around against Auburn when they went to Auburn last Saturday and uh, beat Auburn, who had not lost a game uh, at home all season, held Auburn to 59 points. Auburn missed a lot of open shots in that game, but even after the game when we talked to Bruce Pearl, Bruce said, yeah, we, we did miss some uh, open shots, but they made us take hard shots too. Uh, th- but then – and they played a good first half defensively at Baton Rouge Wednesday night against LSU, but they basically fell apart in the second half had a 15-point lead early in the second half, let that get away from them. Um, combination of inconsistent offense and then a lot of ball watching on defense. If you go back and watch the game again, the video, guys standing, watching, leaving open shooters, not getting, uh, not protecting the defensive glass, those types of things. Uh, the positive out of the game was that they let the lead slip away. LSU got up by five or six points at one point, and Kentucky did come back and looked like they had won the game on a Rob Dillingham shot uh, with 12 seconds to go. But then LSU comes down, and then the arrow blocks the shot of Jordan Wright of LSU, but Wright was able to grab the ricochet, throw it up towards the rim, and LSU player grab it and put it in right before the buzzer to win. So they did fight back when they had a chance to really fold. But still, they, as Cal Perry said after the game, they reverted in a lot of areas. And that's not a good sign when you're just uh, five games away from uh, the end of the regular season going into March. John, it's crazy to watch how much they've struggled at Rupp Arena this season. They've lost three straight home games, Florida, Tennessee, Gonzaga, and now they got the top team in the SEC coming into Rupp tomorrow. Has Cal, maybe some of the players, talked about what what it's been, why they've struggled so much at home? I know they've obviously been playing against good teams, but has it just been the defense that's kind of let them down in these games? Yeah, the players have talked about that. And before, it's kind of ironic because after the Auburn game, they talked about how that they did feel like they played better on the road than at home and then at home. And that sometimes they do feel the pressure at home because they're expected to win at home. Or, you know, they as you mentioned, they lost three straight games at home, which had never happened in Rupp Arena, which opened in 1977. Uh, you had to go all the way back to 1966, the last time Kentucky lost three straight home games. Uh, they did play good teams, but they had a chance to win those games and, and were not able to you know, pull it out. They lost to Florida in overtime. Tennessee, they lost by 11, but it was a close game most of the way. 
And then Gonzaga, they lost by four. So, yeah, that, they talked about how, you know, they kind of banded together on the road, played looser on the road. But then they went out, at least in the second half, against LSU and did not play well at all. So, I mean, obviously with Alabama coming in, they're first in the SEC in the league standings, 11-2 highest scoring team in the nation. It'll be interesting to see, you know, Kentucky likes to run and get out and go. Obviously, Alabama likes to run and get out and go. So you would expect a high scoring game. Or will Kentucky try to slow them down? Uh, and if they do slow them down, will that hurt Kentucky offensively? So, um, but I think going back to the original question, I think the players have kind of felt some pressure at home because they've been expected to win at home, where in some of these road games they weren't expected to win, and they did win. Yeah, I also wanted to ask you about that because right now, I mean, I saw if you look at some of these brackets, I saw Brian Bennett had this in the Athletic. You know, just if you look at the West region right now, I mean, how important is this game? Because right now, he, they're projected Kentucky as as crazy as it sounds to be a six seed, which means in the second round you would probably get Duke. You know, if everything's standard pat, which there's obviously a lot of season to be uh, played right here, but you would have Duke as the three seed. You would also have Kansas in the same region. Is this how important is this game? Would you say it's probably the most important game so far of the season for Kentucky tomorrow against Bama? Yeah, I mean they got they got two big chances to improve their seating. Alabama, both uh, Alabama here at the home on Saturday, and then they go to Tennessee for the last game of the regular season down in Knoxville. And as I mentioned, Tennessee's already beaten them here in Rupp. They got a real tricky game next Tuesday at Starkville against Mississippi State. If they could win those games, including the Mississippi State game, I think they would definitely help their seating. Uh, you know, I heard Mike DeCourcy say, and I, I agree with Mike as Sporting News, that the problem with the LSU loss is it probably cost them a line on the NCAA, on the, you know, on the seeding line by losing that game. And now they're going to have to beat Alabama. They're going to find a way to get that back, uh, much less try to uh, improve on their seeding. So, you know, yeah, there, I mean, there was a point where uh, when they were going good, people were talking about, you know, this team could end up being a two seed. Uh, I think now if they could make it all the way up to three, I think that'd almost be a miracle. I think four is about as high as they can get. Um, also, after the Auburn win, there was talk with Kentucky, even though they had four SEC losses, they could win the regular se- SEC regular season because they do play Alabama and Tennessee. But after the LSU loss, you know, that's going to be really tough to do as well. But mainly, I think the Alabama game is important for their confidence. They need a confidence boost after losing the LSU. They got a lot of confidence obviously by beating Auburn, but then they kind of, you know, um, forfeited that by the loss at LSU. You know, you want your team to be playing confident as they go into the postseason. And as you probably can guess, at Kentucky, it's all about March. If they make a run in the tournament, people will forget about these losses. If they get knocked out in the first weekend like they have the last two years, you know, it's just going to intensify the pressure on the team and John Calipari. So I think they need a, a win tomorrow would really help their confidence. Yeah, I mean, John, you mentioned it. These last couple of years, they've had early exits from the tournament. A couple of years ago, they lost to St. Peter's in the 215 game. And the Kentucky teams the last few years, as you know, have struggled to really make shots, especially shoot from the outside. Cal this year, it looks like he really put an emphasis on finding shooters. He got Reed Shepard. He got Dillingham. Do you think this is how he's going to try and construct his teams moving forward? Obviously, he's going to try and get as many five stars as he can and all that. But do you think he, he now moving forward, he realizes that he's going to need to try and get some elite shooters for his teams? Yeah, he made that comment before the season started that the way the game is going, that he does, he feels like the, you know, that you do need more shooters. And you're right, they have 
uh, you know, more shooters on this team. Uh, Justin Edwards came in here as a reputation of being a good shooter. He struggled all season, although he did hit three three pointers against LSU. Uh, but mainly, Cal's thing has been the last couple of years. He kind of got away from the formula. He took some transfers. He had some older players. And he said uh, after last year and before this season, he thought his last two teams were good, but they were not Kentucky good. He wanted to be getting, he wanted to get back to Kentucky good. And they had another number one recruiting class this time, you know, with DJ Wagner. You mentioned Reed Shepard, Justin Edwards, Dillingham, uh, Aaron Bradshaw, who's kind of in a funk right now. But uh, you know, he had a highly regarded freshman class. He relies on the freshmen. They picked up Trey Mitchell from West Virginia as a transfer late in the process after Bob Huggins. Uh, ended up having to resign at West Virginia. Uh, But his thing has always been, I'm going to recruit the best players I can, and then we'll figure out how to play. But he said from the start of the year, he thought he had good shooters. He thought he had guys who could pass, dribble, and shoot. And he wanted to play fast and score points, and that's what they've done. Unfortunately, and Cal said this a couple times here lately, if they could just get 10% better on defense, they have enough offensive firepower that they could be able to make a run in March. He keeps saying this team is built for March. We kind of raise our eyebrow at that because they haven't been very consistent. And you got to win six games in March to win the whole, in the tournament to win the whole thing. But uh, yeah, they're an offensive team, and uh, I think that's what I think Cal wants to be better on offense and have better shooters in the future. Yes. Yeah, personally, I love Cal, but um, like, what's the what's the room temperature? What's it like right now? You know, with, with the fan base, because obviously there's higher expectations with Kentucky fans. You know, like if he's coaching in the Big Ten, you know, like Matt Painter, obviously he's always going to be at Purdue and it doesn't matter if they have a letdown in the NCAA tournament where they're seated, he's going to be back. But, um, you know, what's the feeling right like right now with Cal? Because I know last year, two years ago, I mean, there were people talking about maybe him not coming back. Um, what's it like right now with Cal? Well, they're not happy. You know, after <laughs> uh, Tom Leach, who is the radio voice of UK, said that Kentucky fans are either at DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 5. And there's no in between. So they were, you know, they were very happy after the Auburn game, uh, you know, moving in the right direction, going to make a splash in the tournament. And then after the LSU game, it went completely back the other way. So they're not happy. And as you mentioned, you know, they went nine and 16 in the COVID season, uh, uh, 2021, you know, you can write that off that, uh, you know, the, they weren't able to do the things that they normally could do as far as team bonding and so forth because of COVID. They had a young team and they didn't react well. But then, as you mentioned, they were number two seed, got knocked out by 15 seed in the first round by St. Peter's. Fans are obviously not happy about, happy about that. And then last year, getting knocked out by Kansas State in the round of 32, not happy with that. I mean, Kentucky fans, they have high expectations. And there's a reason they have high expectations, because of the history, because of the advantages of the program. Um, and Cal, the last few years, has not met those expectations. So it's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is in March if they don't. You know, it's another first weekend knockout. I think, you know, if they make it to the second weekend, I think, uh, you know, fans will not be crazy about that, but they'll say, okay, maybe we're getting back to where, you know, we need to be. The, the other problem is that Cal, obviously, with the one and done, the fans here have never really warmed up to the one and done. They like the recruiting. They like seeing the great players, but they don't like the fact that they're gone after one year. And they, a lot of them think Cal's more interested in getting guys in the NBA than he is in winning championships, and they want that ninth championship. So, that kind of feeds into it as well. The Cal every year it seems like he's starting over with a new roster. 
Mm, yeah, really good point. Uh, John, I want to ask you about the other teams in the SEC. I know you're going to get to see Bama in person for the first time tomorrow, but obviously you've seen Tennessee play. You've seen Florida play, who's getting a lot better. Uh, South Carolina's having a really good year. Auburn, Kansas at the beginning of the year. Like, who, in your opinion, do you think is the best team so far that you've seen Kentucky play? Who, uh, who really impressed you? Well, as you said, I haven't seen Alabama personally. I will see them tomorrow. Of course, watch them on TV multiple times. I think Nate Oates is a really good coach. He's done a great job there. The best team I've seen in person at this point is Tennessee. They played well against Kentucky. I thought Tennessee was even better than Kansas. Of course, saw Kansas really early in the year uh, at the Champions Classic. But Tennessee, with getting Dalton connecting, he's such a scorer, and that's kind of what Rick Barnes has lacked in the past. He's got so much experience on this team. Uh, Adu, the uh, big kid, has really played well. He's really come on for them. Uh, the team that I think has really come on and, and you know, took took Alabama to overtime, could have beat Alabama the other night in Tuscaloosa, is Florida. I mean, I've seen Florida twice. Kentucky barely beat them in Gainesville and then lost to them in overtime here. I think Todd Golden's done a really good job with that team. They get up and down the floor. Uh, they've got really good guards in Clayton and Pullen, uh, and they've got a lot of size. Uh, they got a seven-footer uh, transfer from Marshall, who is a volume rebounder who's helped them. And, uh, you know, they, they really seem to be coming on now. So they're a team that when you get in the tournament, uh, in the NCAA tournament, and Florida pops up on your side of the bracket or, you know, if you have to play them in the first or second round, you're thinking, I don't really want to play these guys. So uh, they're, they're, I think, are the uh, team to watch once we really get into the postseason. John, before we let you go, because we are betting men, um, if you had to make a prediction for tomorrow, what would it be? Kentucky to beat Alabama. I think Alabama. Alabama now they'll be they could be down a couple of players. They had a player suspended uh, yeah. after an elbow in the Florida game. He's out for one game, and they got one of their starters did not play against Florida. And he, uh, Nate said today he's day to day for tomorrow, so that will hurt. But uh, it's hard for me to pick Kentucky to beat Alabama. I think it'll be uh, because of Kentucky's defensive deficiencies. I think that Alabama will take advantage of that. Um, you know, can Kentucky win? Sure, absolutely. If Kentucky doesn't win, I won't. I mean, if Kentucky wins, I won't be shocked. But if I had to pick, I would pick Alabama. John, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate you giving us some time on a Friday night. Enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Really good stuff right there. That's John Clay, sports columnist, Lexington Herald leader. Uh, you could give him a follow on Twitter or X, John Clay, IV. Uh, so, dude, that was really good. He, Good stuff from Oh, John. he was great. He was great. John and that likes was a good the tide little... tomorrow, huh? John's rolling with the tide. Not me, John. No, he Not likes me, baby. He likes it's all about the cats. Likes... See, yeah, no, John's likes... got some PJ in him. He's nervous too. Did you hear the little? Did you hear the pause in the voice? Did you hear the? You know, he, John thinks his team's gonna win tomorrow. John thinks Kentucky's he gonna knows. win, but he's doing the PJ hedge, and I totally respect it. Honestly, it's making me like the guy even more. I do the same thing, but I'm telling you, the Bama's gonna lose. No, he wanted to be the guy that go. He, John, John, you can't go on a show and pick your own team to win. But yeah, he. There were some indicators there, and that's a good point. Bama's going to be without some, well, without some dudes tomorrow as well. We'll yeah. take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some football. That's what we do here on BetMGM tonight. When it's me and Pete on a Friday night, BetMGM tonight. Thank you, all Network. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from... 
on the Hawks. The Hawks still six and a half point favorites. Total in that game is 245 and a half, by the way, which is funny because it's the second night of a back-to-back for both teams. Uh, well, for the uh, Raptors. Actually, Hawks didn't play last night. Cavs 76ers about to begin. Going to talk some NFL. How are you feeling after that interview right there, Pete? You feeling all right about your uh, Kentucky Wildcats tomorrow? Oh, I feel great. Brian, I feel great. I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight, knowing how much money I put on Kentucky. They're going to win that game tomorrow. I, look, I mean, I I tell you when I think my team's going to lose. Now, I'm a pessimistic fan for most of my teams. And, you know, there's certainly, like, when we get to the NCAA tournament, like, I promise you I'm not going to bet Bama in any single game that they play. Maybe I will. Maybe we'll see what the matchups are, but likely not. Uh, but love Kentucky tomorrow. I thought John laid it out great. With the injuries that they have, Latrell Wrightsell, who's been starting for them, who's been a key piece, isn't going to play. Um, they're going to rely on Mark Sears and Aaron Estrada to play a ton of minutes after those guys just played an overtime game against Florida. And they don't have much size, you know? And when you go up against Kentucky at Rupp and they shoot a lot of threes, there's going to be a lot of long rebounds. I think Kentucky's going to get plenty of second chances tomorrow. They got to win one of these games. You heard John say it. They've never lost three straight home games in a row in the history of Rupp Arena. Are they really going to lose four straight home games in a row? I don't think so. So I like. I don't either. I don't either. Uh, Yeah, I think that's a really good spot. I'm on Kentucky as well with you. Uh, By the way, so I have three things that I have to do tomorrow. I have to wake up, bet Mm -hmm. Kentucky a little bit more. I have to uh, have my morning, Saturday morning, vacation mimosas. And then the last thing that I got to do tomorrow, Paige, is I got to check out BetQL. I got to check out YouTube, of course, Twitch, because BetQL is adding a four-time Super Bowl champion to the network tomorrow, and that will be Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator and genius, in my opinion, Steve Spagnola. He's going to join Kate Constable and Cameron Smith on the Better Angle tomorrow uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern. So you could listen to that anywhere on the go with the Odyssey app, or you could watch on Twitch TV backslash BeckQL. Spags. That's if you were interviewing Spags, who, who is what would you, who's the producer what, of that show? I was gonna say that's a heck of a get. What would be your first Pats. question if uh if you were interviewing Spags? What what would your first question be? Because mine, I can tell you right now, would be Spags, what was your reaction at the end of the AFC Championship game when the Ravens ran the ball six times with their running backs? That would have been mine. What what would yours have been? I'd probably ask him what the best live concert he's ever been to, like best act he's ever seen in person. I would like to like ease into things, you know what I mean? And then I would get yeah. into scheme. I would like to get into like what what goes into making second half defensive adjustments. You know what I mean? Because we always, Ooh. everybody always goes crazy for like uh, Lou Anarumo, like what he does in Cincinnati. But I would like yeah. to talk to Spags because I think that he's so damn sure. good. I, I would like to talk to him. You know, you know what, you know what I would like to ask him, Peach, because I'm every year I'm always like, why doesn't Spags get head coach, uh, head coaching interviews? And I mean, we got to remember he was a head coach. It didn't go very well. Plus, you know, he's not getting any younger. I would just mm-hmm. like to ask him. Not so much like the difference between being a coordinator and a head coach, because I think that's, I think we all know what the difference is. Like you're in charge of a whole team rather than just like the defensive side of the ball. But I would just like to kind of like go into that a little bit more. Like if, like if he was given the opportunity again, if he thinks that he could do the job, because I think Spags, like I said, I think he's a genius man. I wonder if you got a second chance, like 
you know, if he was the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, if he thinks that they could win 10, 11 games, or if he could take them to the playoffs, that's what I would like to ask him. Or if he thinks like, this is just what suits him best, being just the defensive mind with Andy Reid, with another genius, and with Pat Mahomes, in my opinion, the best quarterback ever. So, but first I would like to know like the best concert he's ever been to. I want to know what Spags listens to, because I like to get in the mind of a genius. I want to know like, you know what players are listening to before the game, but I want to know like what Spags is listening to. Is it like the Beatles? Is he a Stones guy? Does he listen to like classical music? That's what I want to know, you know? I'd also ask Spags, how would he defend Pat Mahomes, right? Like, why don't you ask the man who faced him in practice every day? Like, if he had to defend Pat Mahomes, what would he do? If he had to defend an Andy Reid offense, what would he do? You think he answers that question, or do you think he would just go, man, there's no defending Pat. He's just so good at what he does. And, you know, he, he, he if you blitz him, he has an answer for it. If you play back, he'll pick you apart. There's no defense for him. He'll probably give you that answer. But uh, I definitely, I definitely ask him about it. How do you defend Mahomes? I'm genuinely curious. I mean, there's somebody who would know. It might be him. You know what I would ask Bags actually if I had him on our show tonight here, Peach. I would ask him. I'd say, Hey, Spags, who do you think's the way too early NFL Offensive Player of the Year? Is it Christian McCaffrey at plus four fifty? Is it Tyree Kill at plus six fifty? The Cheetah? Is it Justin Jefferson? How do you bet Justin Jefferson right now, though? You don't know who the hell the quarterback's going to be. Plus 650. Is it CeeDee Lamb now that the uh, salary cap goes up? Which I've been telling people that was a myth for years, but whatever. Uh, plus 850 uh, with now Dak maybe getting the bag. Is it Jamar Chase, 12 to 1? Is it Kyron Williams, 20 to 1? Jonathan Taylor, 25 to 1. Peach, I'm going to give you a free $100. I'm not really going to do that um, until after tomorrow if Kentucky wins. But where would you go? Offensive player of the year. Would you go back to McCaffrey? Because I have a, uh, I got a fire take about San Francisco for you. But you go first. Man, who would I bet to win offensive player of the year? I think I would go with Tyreek Hill. That was my, that was my first initial reaction. Um, I mean, the guy's just, he's so good, man. He can, he can open up any game, scores touchdowns, yards, Tua loves him, obviously. They play in warm weather. Check a lot of boxes. You bring up a good point about Jefferson. We don't even know who his quarterback's going to be, so I really wouldn't play him. Jamar Chase right. I wouldn't play because T. Higgins, I think, is going to be franchise tagged by Cincinnati, and he's going to be looking for a big contract. So I think he absolutely balls out. And Joe Burrow, you can't really trust him to stay healthy for an entire season. He's always banged up to start the year. So not there with Chase. Um... I mean, McCaffrey, you understand why he's the favorite. Is is he going to keep doing what he's doing? Amon Ra's an interesting look at 25-1 to 1 as well with Ben Johnson back, Jared Goff. I think the Lions only play like four games next year outside or something like that. So certainly a benefit for Jared Goff, kind of like the Amon Ra number. If I had to make a bet, though, I think I would take Tyree Kill at plus 650. That'd probably... That'd probably be my guy. CD's another interesting one at plus 850. He was really good for Dallas as well. Um, but yeah, I think I'll take Tyree Kill, plus 650. What say you? Yeah, I'm going to do what I did last year and just hope that Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt again. And I'm going to take probably Garrett Wilson. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I mean, Garrett Wilson's numbers this year even, man. I mean, he had 20, 20. He had 95 receptions this year with the combination of guys that he had thrown the football, like Zach Wilson for the majority of the season. But he had 95 receptions this year 
over a thousand yards. He only had three touchdowns, but he averaged 11 yards per reception. Is as a rookie, he had 83 receptions, over a thousand yards, four touchdowns. I expect those numbers to go up if Aaron Rodgers is able to stay healthy. The problem is that offensive line is a mess, but I mean. I would assume David Bakhtiari is most likely going to be a cap casualty by Green Bay, and the Jets will bring him in. If he could stay healthy, you know, even if it's just like for like 70% of the season, yeah, I feel good about Rodgers being able to maybe stay healthy. And then I think Garrett Wilson could have a huge year. He just needs a quarterback, man. But like, look at those numbers 95 grabs with Zach Wilson and, you know, a bunch of bums as his quarterback this year. So. I would maybe look at his number last year. It was 22 to one. I'm trying to refresh that. I haven't obviously played anything for offensive player of the year yet. The other guy I was going to bring up was maybe Kyron Williams, you know, maybe with a safer pick at 20 to one. I think he's obviously going to be a top five fantasy player. Um, I, I, if you look at the Rams, the second half of the season, they were the number two offense in the league only behind San Francisco. You know what I mean? So I could see him being a guy that catches like, 60 balls out of the backfield and could also rush for 1200 yards score over 20 touchdowns. Maybe that's a good look at 20 to one. I like the Garrett Wilson number. And then, um, yeah, like with Justin Jefferson though, I don't know. Do you think Kirk cousins is a Viking next year? I think he's probably elsewhere. I just, I don't know where Kirk is next year, man, because if you're I Minnesota, he, I think he is a Viking. Yeah. I think he's you a do. Viking. I do. So that means that they're yeah. going to go all in to win them this year. Because if you're bringing Kirk Cousins back, you think you probably have like a two to three year window and you're probably looking at the NFC like it's a disaster. And that's my As hot take on San Francisco. I would bet anybody right now on this show $500 that San Francisco doesn't even play in the NFC championship game. They have the best odds right now, or they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Dude, they're healthy every year. I mean, they have like little minor injuries. Like Debo is always banged up, but he's always going to play. Kittle's always banged up, but he's going to play. I mean, except for, I guess, last year or two years ago when Brock Purdy couldn't throw a football in the NFC Championship game. And then Josh Johnson got hurt too. But I'm just saying, like, that's what I said about Cincinnati this year. Everybody was picking Cincinnati to come out of the AFC. And I was like, I don't know. They've been healthy the last three years. That's tough to do in the NFL. And it's also just hard to make these runs every single year. If Detroit was able to fix that pass defense, I think that they'd be a really good pick. Agreed. You know, I mean, but that's but that's the issue. It's that secondary. But the run defense is good. They could get after the quarterback, and I'm not really worried about regression on the offensive side of the ball yet for Jared Goff in that offense because Ben Johnson's coming back. That's I mean, actually, you know, I, Dylan, yes. Dylan put this in there real quick about Dre Greenlaw. I will take that take right there uh, to the death that if Dre Greenlaw doesn't get hurt, that the Niners are Super Bowl champs. I mean, at that point, I at least feel better about my Kelsey unders. At that point, Kelsey had one reception for one yard. Greenlaw gets hurt. Like, you saw what he did against Green Bay, man. And, like, Jordan Love was tearing apart the uh, middle of the field against uh, against Dallas, and Greenlaw picked him off twice. So that is a good point right there, though. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. Um, I'm with you on the Lions, though. If they can figure out that pass defense, they're going to be dangerous. But to your point about where Cousins is going to go, I think that's why Minnesota is going to bring him back because it's so wide open in the NFC. I mean, it really is. And with the way Flores got that defense playing in the second half of the season, I think Minnesota looks at their team. Cousins was playing MVP caliber quarterback before he tore his ACL. I, uh, yeah, I think Minnesota is is certainly a good play. Um, for Cousins to come back. And we were talking about him yesterday, 40 to 1 to win the NFC or win the Super Bowl. Don't think, uh, who knows? Don't think it's terrible.
I don't know. They've never won one before, Peach. We'll see if they can get it done. Brett Freelander joins us next. We'll talk a little ACC with them, cover hoops and college football. Talk a little bit of both. Bet MGM tonight, Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to Bet MGM to place a better three. This is Bet MGM Tonight, presented by Bet MGM. Live from BetQL.